it is good to be back with you guys. It feels, it feels like it's been a while since I've been up here. Actually, that's not true. I was just up here like 45 minutes ago. But when I said it at the 9.30 service, it felt like it had been a while since I'd been up here. Uh, we had Christmas Eve services. We, so many of you joined us for Christmas Eve. It was such a special Christmas Eve. It really was. The, if you remember, we had two services, five and seven, and, and, and we had kids doing a little presentation at both services, and the kids were really cute, and the music was incredible, and I love, I love the candle lighting that we do. I love the, the, the vision, the view that I get from up here with the lights out and everybody with the candles, and you guys did a much better job with the candles, with the wax, because other years, I, it almost seemed like people were trying to draw designs with the wax on the chairs and stuff, but, but you, guys, you guys did a good job. And then, you know, it was a weird thing that, uh, that Christmas Day was on a Sunday and then New Year's Day was on a Sunday. That doesn't happen. You think, oh, that happens every seven years. Actually, I checked this morning. That's not going to happen again until 2033. Isn't that weird? It's going to be 10 years until that, until that happens again. Uh, and so it's kind of, you know, a little bit, a little bit weird having, it, having Christmas and New Year's be on a Sunday. Um, what, what we do here, some people have asked and wondered about it, is the Sunday between Christmas and New Year's, uh, we don't do live services. We have a live stream. And the reason we do that is because the staff and the team vineyard workers and everybody, like, work so hard during the year that we just want people to be able to say, hey, let's just be with our family and let's just rest and let's really get ready to kind of hit 2023. And, and so that's what we did this year, and that's what we'll do next year, and, and um, appreciate you guys understanding that. Um, but I, I tell you, I love this time of year. I love coming back, you know, and just getting ready for everything that God has for, for 2023. If we could trim my voice down a little bit more, it's just, like I said, it's just kind of really hot up here. I Meaning it's not physically hot, it's just loud, but okay, good. Um, and so uh, it's just great to kind of come right in and get involved in like 21 days of prayer. We have that going on. And, and I always do a series that's in January. It's some kind of a variation of kind of like New Year, New You, right? Because it's an opportunity for us. It's an opportunity for us to think about uh, how this upcoming year, how this new year can be different from the previous year. What kind of changes do we want to make? What do we, what do we want to do differently? It's kind of an opportunity for a fresh start. And I know it's, it's just, it's kind of arbitrary. It's just kind of the calendar changing, the Gregorian calendar. But there's something psychologically powerful about this time, this season. But what I, I came across something this past week that's kind of alarming. It said only one out of three Americans, it was a Gallup poll, only one out of three Americans are hopeful for 2023. So that means two out of three Americans don't have any hope. They don't have any expectation. They think things are, things are going to get worse, that things are going to be bad, and they don't have a sense of hope and expectation. And they're kind of, they've almost like given up on the new year before it even started. But it shouldn't be like that for the people of God. Amen? Right? So, so the people of God, we should go into every new year saying, we know that God is in charge. We know that God is on the throne. And it says this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. I, I don't have the verse for you. I'll just read it. It's from the message. I, put, I, I wanted it in the message so we could hear it a little bit different. It says, now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start is created new. The old life is gone, a new life emerges. And so what it says is if you're united with the Messiah, you get a fresh start. And that's not just true for the new year. That's true every, every day if you're united with the Messiah. 
But, but it's especially true as we focus on the new year and as we focus on what God could do, what His hopes and dreams are for each and every one of us. Because here's the thing. See, what I want to do today is I want to I raise our faith a little bit. I want to raise our sense of expectation because the reality is, is this could be the best year of your life. This could be the best year of your life if it's your best year spiritually. If it's your best year spiritually, it will be the best year of your life. That doesn't mean it's going to be the easiest year of your life, but it'll be the best year of your life if it's the best year spiritually. Now, I've been noticing something. I've been noticing something in our world. I've been noticing something in our culture. I've been noticing something in our church. I've been noticing something in my family. I've been noticing something when I look in the mirror. You know what I've been noticing? We've all got issues, right? We've all got issues. You've got issues. I've got issues. They out there have issues. We love to talk about the issues they have without acknowledging like the issues that we have. But like all God's children have issues. And it seems like, you know, the the issues that we have, there's issues of, of fear. There's just issues of anxiety, issues of anger. I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news this week, but we got political issues. I mean, there's, there's issues that are going on there. There are faith issues. There are economic issues. And it, it seems like in some ways that like the issues that we have now, we always have issues, but somehow they, they almost seem like more intractable. Like we're just, we're kind of stuck. Like we, it's like quickstand, and we don't know how to move forward. We don't know how to, how, to, how to break free, how to go forward, how to go for it. And the title of this message is Breakthrough, Moving Beyond the Excuses That Hold You Back. And so what I want to encourage us to do, I'm, I'm going I'm to be up front with you, is a little bit more of a confrontational message than I normally give. Because I think that it's something that we need to hear. I think it's something that we really need to think about uh, because the reality is, is God loves you just the way you are, right? I love to preach about how much God loves us. I love to talk about, you know, just that you would know that you're radically loved by God. There's nothing that you could do to make God love you anymore. There's nothing that you could do to make God love you less. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way that you are, right? He wants there to be growth. He wants there to be change. Let me, let me give you like a big picture what your life should be about. Romans 8, 29. It says this, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Let me break this down to you, for you. Right, so what this is saying is that you are made in the image of God. You bear something called the imago dei, And so that makes you really unique in this whole great big universe, right? Angels are not made in the image of God. They're servants of God, but they're not made in the image of God. Your dog that you love, that really good boy, he's a wonderful dog. But please don't get mad at me. He's not made in the image of God, right? You're made in the image of God. Creation, you know, when people get confused with religion and animism and they worship creation, creation is not made in the image of God. It reflects God's glory, but it it doesn't reflect His image the way you do. See, you're made in the image of God. And, And see, what God wants to do, like His whole plan for you, is that He made you really unique. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He made you quirky. Right? The ways that, some of the ways that you're quirky is just like you're a little bit weird. Stop being so weird. But some of the ways that you're quirky are just designed by God. 
Like God made you quirky. He made you unique. He, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And so what God wants to do is he wants to take your uniqueness and he wants to take your uniqueness and merge it and combine it with Jesus. And so you're conformed into the image of Jesus. And so quirky you and Jesus come together and become this unique expression of the image of God. That you glorify, and it says here, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and many sisters. That you would be conformed to the image of God, made more like Jesus. And so you now are a son of God, with Jesus, a son of God, a daughter of God. And as the Bible says, glorifying God and shining like lights, like stars in the universe. That's what God is up to in your life. That's the big picture. And so we're made in the image of God to grow in the image of God so that we can experience the life of God. And so what does the life of God look like? The Bible tells us, like in a lot of different ways. But one of the ways it tells us, what is your life going to look like if you're conforming to the image of Jesus? Galatians 5, to 23, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so let me ask you. I said I'm going to be a little confrontational, but I'll, 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 I'll do it with a smile. Have you grown this past year? Have you become more like Jesus? Have you worked? Would you say, you know what? I am. A, I got more of the fruit of the Spirit. I'm more loving than I was last year. I have more joy than I, have, than I had last year. More peace, more gentleness. What about self-control? I love self-control. Would you say that you have more self-control now than you did a year ago? That when it comes to your physical life, your appetites, that you have more self-control? When it comes to your sexual appetites, you have more self-control? When it comes to how you do life, right? Are you able? Self-control is what able, it's what enables you to take a dream or a vision or a hope and convert it to reality, that you can actually plan and execute something. Would you say that you have more self-control? What about like your anger, right? Would you say that there's more gentleness, like you've grown, you've become more like Jesus. You, you got anger issues, but they're getting better. You're becoming more like him. Uh, what about your faithfulness? Are you faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit? So would you say, you know what? I now, like if I say I'm going to do something, there's a greater likelihood that I'm going to do it than a year ago because I've grown, because I've been conformed more to the image of his son, right? Are we growing? Are we moving forward? And, and listen, if we were to kind of drill into this, and you might be like, well, you know, it's, you know, I, I don't know, in some ways, but in some other ways I, I didn't. I didn't really, what this comes down to is, is did you seek first in 2022 did you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness so all these other things can be added to you, right? That's really what this is about. Did you seek God first? And you know what? The, if, if you were to say, well, maybe in some ways I did, but in other ways I didn't, you, you would have reasons, right? You would have excuses. You would say, there, there's reasons why I didn't do it. You'd say, well, you know what? I didn't really grow the way that I should have grown. I didn't really seek God the way that I should have. I didn't prioritize him. Because, you know, it was a lot going on. I didn't really have enough time last year. Or uh, it was just, I still have a hangover from 2020. I just haven't gotten over 2020. Or there were a lot of obstacles. There were a lot of difficulties. There were a lot of other things going on. You, we, we have excuses. 
And it's our excuses. And I want to talk about our excuses. And over the next few weeks, I want us to like identify excuses so we can get them out of the way so that we can grow and come into everything that God has for us because our excuses hold us back. And when I stand up here next year preaching the first sermon of 2024, I want to be different. I want, to, I want to have more of the fruit of the Spirit. I want to be conformed more to the image of Jesus. And if that's going to happen, i got to name my excuses. i got to name them. i got to identify them. i got to, I got to deal with them. Because the reality is that Jesus is able to see through our excuses. He sees through them. Now, I'm going to walk us through a couple of passages from the Gospels. And, uh, you know, dealing with excuses. And so... Uh, it's two passages where Jesus doesn't actually behave or say things the way we would expect him to. You ever notice that? There's a couple times in the Gospels, we, like, you know, where normally Jesus does like what we'd expect Jesus to do. Like he feeds the 5,000 and we think, isn't that just like Jesus? He shows compassion. He extends grace to the woman caught in adultery. He, he forgives when he's hanging on the cross. But then there's sometimes when Jesus will say and do things and we're like, are you having a bad day, Jesus? Like, like what's going on? Like, that, that doesn't seem to line up. Well, these are two passages that are kind of, you could think like, bad day, Jesus. But, the, but it's, that's not the case. He's, you know, we need to deal with the important things that he's saying here. So Luke chapter 9, starting at verse 57. It says, As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So someone's like, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm going to follow you. And Jesus said, all right, listen, I just want you to know it's not going to be easy following me. You're not going to rack up a lot of like Hilton reward points if you're following me because I don't have a place to sleep at night. And so then someone else, it says in verse 59, he said, Jesus said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, now, Here's this person. We don't know who this is. And so Jesus says to this person, he says, follow me. And, and what did he say like to Peter, for Peter to become Peter the apostle? He said, follow me. Right? said the same thing to Matthew. said the same thing to James. said the same thing to John. He said, follow me. And so they would, they would, they would follow him. And so maybe, like we don't know who this guy is. Maybe Jesus had chosen 10 of his disciples and this guy was going to be the 11th one. Right? Or maybe he already had his 12 disciples and he was calling them to be part of the 70, this wider community that follow with Jesus. Well, regardless, Jesus says to him, follow me. And so this guy says, sounds good, Jesus. I'm in. I want to do it. But first, let me go back and bury my father. And so you'd be like, okay, well, if your father's dead at your house, what are you doing, like, talking to Jesus, you know? Uh, okay, so you're going to, you know, your dad died this morning and you're going to bury him tomorrow and then you'll join Jesus on Thursday, Right? That's not what was going on. See, what this guy was saying is, all right, you know what? Um, that sounds really good, but I got to wait for my father to die. And his father was healthy. You know, it wasn't like his father was on his deathbed. His father was healthy. He's saying, he's saying at some point over the next few years, my father's going to die. And then when he dies, I'll come find you and I'll come follow you. So it was an excuse. But Jesus saw through this excuse and he said, let the dead bury their own, de their own dead. You go and you proclaim the kingdom of God. He's saying, listen, I am giving you an opportunity. 
I am saying, you can be one of my disciples. You can follow me. Together, we can change the world. I am giving you this incredible opportunity, but when I leave, this opportunity is going to leave. Don't let your excuse keep you from coming into everything that I have for you. And so it seems from the text that this guy did not follow up on what Jesus said, that his excuse held him back, and he let Jesus go. And so the reality is, who is this guy? What's this guy's name? We don't know. Now, what if his excuse didn't hold him back? What if he said, okay, yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Maybe he'd be like the 11th disciple, uh, Joe, you know, or who, uh, who knows who it would be. Maybe, maybe he would have written one of the books in the Bible, and we'd do like a series next month on the book of the Bible, that was the epistle, you know, the epistle of Joe or something like that. But, but he didn't do that. And so we don't, we don't know who he is. Right? Because, because he had this excuse and he let his excuse keep him from coming into everything that God has for him. And so my next point, I'm going to skip around a little bit. I made some changes to this. Jesus expects us to develop the gifts and take advantage of the opportunities that, that he's given us. He expects you and me to develop the gifts that he's given us and to take advantage of the ministry opportunities, the life opportunities that he's given us. And so I'm going to walk us through a parable that Jesus told, and I want us to think about this parable through the lenses of the excuses that we make, the excuses that we make that hold us back. And so Matthew chapter 25, and you know like Jesus' parables, there's, there's someone in the parable who represents God, and so in this parable, it's going to be this master or this boss that we're going to hear about. And then there's someone who represents us, and that's going to be the servants. All right, so verse 14, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. So this guy says, I'm going to give you five, goals of bag, five, five bags of gold, and I want you to invest. I want you, however you're going to do it, I want you to multiply it. And I'm going to come back and let me see how you did. It says he gave it to them according to their ability. So someone who was like more competent, he gave five to. Someone a little less competent gave two. Someone who had a way to go, he gave one to. But he said, I want you to, to do what you're going to do with this. And I'm going to come back and you're going to give me a report. And so two of the three, they did a good job. Right? Verse 20, the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. He said, Master, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Let me make a point from this, which I think is worth making. Jesus says, Come and share my happiness. Come into the abundant life that I offer, right? Jesus is always talking about the abundant life. So, so this servant took the five bags of gold, doubled it, made it ten bags of gold. What we would expect is that the master would say, you did such a good job, we're going to let you go on a vacation. And we want you to just spend the next few months sitting on a beach with a pina colada and you're going to be good. But that's not what the master says. The master says, you've been faithful with a little, 
Now I'm going to give you more responsibility. Enter into my master's happiness. Here is a lie that the culture tells you. The good life, the happy life, is not having any responsibility. Just doing whatever you want, just kind of going with the wind. That is a lie. That is not the good life. That is not the abundant life. The life that Jesus calls us to is he says, I want you to be faithful with what I've given you. I want to work with you, and I want to, through you, I want you to take responsibility. I want you to lean on me, but together we're going to bring my kingdom into this world, and we're going to bless as many people as we can together. I'm calling you into my family business, taking on as much responsibility as we can by God's grace and God's strength is coming into the master's happiness. It is a lie that says happiness is having no commitments, no responsibilities, sitting on your couch, scrolling TikTok, sitting on a beach with a glass that has, a, that has an umbrella, with a drink that has an umbrella in it. That is not the good life. The, the culture is lying to you. The good life is we say, I'm going to use the gifts and abilities that God has given me. I'm going to take on responsibility and I'm going to come into my purpose. And together with Jesus, I'm going to make a difference in the world. That is the good life. And it's one of, this is one of those things where the culture is lying to us. The culture is telling us the exact opposite. And you need to see through that lie. So anyway, then you got the man with two bags of gold. He also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So now we've got to put ourselves in the shoes of the third guy. So, so he probably thought like, hey, I did a good job. I was given a bag of gold, I hid it, I hid it in a good spot, and, and nobody stole it, so I'm going to give the master back everything that he entrusted to me. But then he watched these other two guys, and he saw how they were commended for Dublin. He's like, oh, I, I got some explaining to do, you know? This, this isn't working out the way that I hoped it would work out. And so the man who had received one bag of gold, he said, Master, I know that you're a hard man harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Now, I want you to notice what this guy did. He brought an excuse, right? He comes and he says, well, okay, I saw that you really liked what these guys did. I didn't do that. But what had happened was, is it wasn't my fault. You notice that's what he's saying. He's saying, it wasn't my fault. I just hid it in the ground. I didn't do anything. I didn't multiply it. But it's really not my fault. It's your fault. Because you're, you're like a hard guy. You're kind of scary. You're a little, you kind of freak me out a little bit. And so I was afraid of you, so I hid it in the ground. But it's not really my fault. It's your fault. And so maybe what he thought is that the master would say, well, you know, maybe you've learned a lesson, and you'll do a little bit better next time, and at least you got me everything that I gave you. But that's not what the master said. It goes on to verse, you know, verse 26. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered. Well, then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. That doesn't seem fair, right? So the guy who has the most is getting another one. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now you say, well, hold on, hold on, wait a minute. What is Jesus saying here? Is Jesus saying that if I don't perfectly seek first the kingdom of God, 
that if I have a couple of excuses, that I don't come into everything that God has for me, that I'm going to be thrown into hell for all of eternity? Is that what Jesus is saying here? And we know that Jesus is not saying that. And the way I know that Jesus is not saying that is because we know, you know, we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, not of works so that no one should boast. So we're not saved by what we do. What Jesus is doing here is he's making a really strong point. He's making a really strong point because weeping and gnashing of teeth in that culture was how you expressed deep distress and regret. And so what Jesus is saying is, listen, I don't want you, I don't want your life to be like this guy. I don't want you to get to the end of your life and to realize that you let your fears, your fear of rejection, your fear of failure, your fear of whatever, you let your fears keep you from coming into everything that I have for you. You let your fears keep you from bearing fruit for my glory, from fulfilling your purpose and your calling. I don't want that to happen to you. I don't want you to to have misplaced priorities. Because what I would say is that all of our excuses are probably a combination of fear and misplaced priorities. Right, where we say, well, you know what? I could seek first the kingdom of God, but instead I'm going to try to make a lot of money. Or I could seek first the kingdom of God, but instead I'm going to climb up the corporate ladder. Or I could seek first the kingdom of God, but instead i got to take it easy. I'm just going to be on the couch. I'm just going to watch Netflix. We have misplaced priorities. And what Jesus is saying is, I don't want you to get to the end of your life. Or I don't want you to get to the end of the year or the end of when, you know, when the master comes back, whatever that is, and say, you know what? God had so much more for me. Like, we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, right? There's, I just want everyone to know I'm not talking about salvation. But what I am talking about is when the Bible says that, that you and I, that we're going to go before the judgment seat of Christ, and that's not going to be about whether or not we get to go into heaven, right? That's Jesus purchased our ticket to, to be part of the kingdom of God. That's about whether or not we laid up treasures in heaven. It's about whether or not, and you can read about it in, first, in Corinthians, whether or not you developed the gifts that you were given. You took the gold. You took the abilities. You took the callings. You put the giftings that God gave you. And rather than burying it in the ground, you multiplied it. You said, God, I want to live for your glory. God, I want to come into your purpose. God, I want this world to be different because I lived in it in the power of your Holy Spirit. See, and, and if, you, if you don't do that, like if you get to the end of your life and you say, you know what, my fears held me back. I, I did not, I was not conformed into the image of Jesus. I didn't grow in love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and self-control and all these things. I squandered the opportunity that God gave me. Yeah, maybe I got a lot, lot of money in my bank account, but I got a lot of broken relationships and I haven't lived my life with the sense of purpose and calling that God had given me. And Jesus says, I don't want you, I don't want you to deal with that. So I'm going I'm to give you this illustration. I'm going to give you this parable. And it's kind of intense because I don't want you to have regret. 
I don't want there to be weeping and gnashing of teeth in your life because you realize that you let your calling to ministry, you could let your family, you could let your marriage, you could let all these really important things slip through your fingers because you made excuse after excuse after excuse. Jesus says, I want to save you from your excuses so you can come into the abundant life that I have for you. Are we still friends? All right. So listen, here we are at the end of the year. We're, you know, at the, at the end of this year, we have an opportunity. Right? The end, it gives us, I don't know, just the way we're wired, the way we think, it gives us an opportunity. And so I want to encourage you. Like, what are the excuses that have kept you from growing in your relationship with Jesus? What are the excuses that have kept you from just, you know, where you can, if you're fancy, you can call it spiritual formation. If you're old school, you can call it quiet times. But really, if we're going to grow in any relationship, you've got to spend time. And so what are the excuses in 2022 that kept you from spending time in God's Word, kept you from praying, kept you from, like, hearing God's voice, kept you from worshiping Him? What were the excuses that you say, I want, in 2023, I want to be able to say, I've really grown in my relationship with God. I know God better than I did a year ago because I didn't let my excuses keep me from spending time with Him. Amen? And one of the things we do here, try to make it easier for you, is 21 days of prayer. 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we don't do 21 days of prayer and fasting so you can lose the five pounds that you gained at Christmas time. We do the 21 days of prayer and fasting so that we can have 21 days of prayer turned into 365 days of prayer. And so we have, we've, it's been a wonderful time. I just, you know, it's, I, I really look forward. I love 21 Days of Prayer. We have about 50 people between the people who come here in person and people who are on Facebook Live, like, you know, live in the moment. About 50, sometimes 60 people who are, who are part of it. And that's awesome. But there's a lot more of you here than 50 or 60 people. And so I want to encourage you. Like, here's the thing. What, and hopefully we're still friends. What's your excuse for not coming to 21 days of prayer? I'm not saying every day, but at least come and check it out. Maybe you have a really good excuse. Maybe you're on a, you know, you're, you're on a bus and you're commuting, or you've got four kids that you've got to get ready for school. That's all. I get it. But, but are we taking advantage of the opportunities? What about, what about coming into your purpose? What about coming into the purpose and calling that God has given you, the bags of gold that he's given you that he expects you to invest? Are you laying up treasures in heaven? Are you serving? Now listen, here's a, I talk about like how we try to make it easy for you. We, we actually really make this easy for you. <laughs> like we make, do you know, like when you saw that video of all the people who were helping give out food for that food distribution that was going on, a lot of those people are people who come to this church, but a lot of the people who, who serve like week after week don't come to this church. They, they're not, they don't even go to any church. A lot of them aren't even Christians, but they heard about what we do and they found like some like Bergen County volunteer website. Do you know that, I, I don't know which college it is, but there's an entire, the, the female bowling team of some local college comes and gives out food every other week. And so, so we have an opportunity as the people of God, and we moved it from Tuesday to Saturday. One of the reasons we did that was so that more of us can get involved. You know what? Some of you, listen, some of you, you were leaders in previous churches, or maybe you were a leader before 2020. 
Because a lot of people, there's this like malaise that settled in on some people in 2020, and people just haven't kind of gotten over the hangover of 2020. But you were a leader in God's church, whether this church or another church. There are some of you, it is time for you to step up and say, I'm going to use the leadership gifts, the leadership talents that God gave me to see the North Jersey Vineyard come into its purposes and its plans, to, to partner with what God is up to in the world through this church. There's some of you, 2023, it's time for you to step up and to say, I'm going to go for it. It's time for us to say, I'm going to leave behind my excuses. And I'm gonna, I want to come into health. I want to come into physical health. I want to come into marriage health. I want to come into relational health. Some of you, listen, you, what are the excuses that keep you isolated? I think it's true for every single one of us. God wants each and every one of us to have like some more friends. Some more like life-giving friends, people who really know us and we know, and they're healthy, they're good, they're strong. God wants you to have more of that. And see what, this is an opportunity for us to say, I'm not going to let my excuses hold me back because I love the verse that says, no eye is seen, no ear is heard, the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. And a lot of times we hear that verse and we think about heaven. And it's true that we don't know like when God sets up His kingdom, it's going to be awesome. But I think that that verse is true for 2023. That we don't know what God has for you. But and my, my very simple challenge and calling to you today, we'll talk more about this in the weeks ahead. Next week is, is Martin Luther King weekend. And so those of you who've been around, Pastor Charles is going to deliver a message as Dr. Martin Luther King, which is always, we've done that for years. It's really cool. And then after that, we'll pick back up with this series. But I want you to really think about and even to ask God and say, say, God, what excuses have been showing up in my life that keep me from coming into everything that you have for me, that keep me from seeking first your kingdom, and that you would say, God, by your grace, with your strength, I want to lay aside these excuses. I want to fix my eyes on Jesus. I want to come into everything that he has for me. Isaiah 41 says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. What are the excuses that are keeping you from running and soaring and flying into everything that God has for you? Let's pray. God, we thank you that you love us, that you're for us, that you're with us. We thank you, God, that you've given us talents, you've given us abilities. You've given us opportunities. And so, Lord, we just want to say no to the excuses. We want to say no to the excuses that hold us back. And we want to say yes to you. Because every promise that you make to us is yes and amen. And so, God, we want to give you back our yes. No more excuses, God. We say yes to you. And let me just say, we're going to pray into this in a moment, but let me just say this to those of you who have not yet given your life to Jesus. You have not yet given him the ultimate yes, the big yes, the yes of saying, you can have my life. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And so maybe for some of you, you know there have been some excuses, like you've known about Jesus' calling on your life, but you've had excuses that have kept you from, from saying yes to him. Or there was a time when you did follow him, but you've drifted away from him and it's time to come back and you've got excuses that are keeping you from him. It's time to deny those excuses and say yes to Jesus. 
And so if you're ready to do that, I wanna, I'm going to lead you in a prayer to say yes to Jesus. Here, our first church service in 2023, that you could start this year right by giving Jesus your big yes. And so keep your eyes closed, but if you're ready to do that, just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I say yes to you. I need you in my life. I live 2022 without you in my life. I want 2023 to be different. So I say yes to you. I ask that you forgive all of my sins. And I accept your free gift of salvation. And I pray that you would work in my life to make me more and more like Jesus. Because here on out, you're my Lord. And I'm going to follow you. Just keep your eyes closed. But if you prayed that prayer, if you gave your heart to Jesus, said the big yes to Jesus, just raise your hand. I just want to see. If you said yes to Jesus, okay, awesome. Awesome. And I'm going to ask you to do one other thing. On the back of your connection card, check off that you decided to follow Jesus. I have some stuff I'm going to send you in the mail, the things that can help you kind of figure out how to walk this out, how to kind of walk out this process of transformation. Those of you who are online, you can text follow to 201-584-718, and then it'll trigger the, the, same, the same thing for you. All right, we're going we're gonna to pass the offering baskets here. Just remain seated for a second. But we have baskets that are underneath the, the last row over here to my right. And so reach underneath there, get a basket, pass it by. And we're going we're gonna to go ahead and put the connection card as well as uh, any physical uh, offering uh, gift that you have. You can just put it in that basket as it passes by. We're going to go into a time of ministry. And I got an email from, from the prayer ministry team this morning. They got together and they said, God, what specific things do you want to do in people's lives? And so they felt they heard God say some specific things. And, and so maybe this is relevant to, to some of you. They had a sense that there's a woman here and, and you've really been struggling with an addiction. And that addiction's been really just kicking you around. And it's time for you to say, no more excuses. You're going to give that addiction to God and you're going to look to Him for the strength to get set free. We want to pray for you this morning that God will enable you to come into the freedom that He has for you. They had another sense of siblings with a broken relationship uh, and it's just really painful. And, and God is calling you to be the peacemaker in that situation, but it's maybe it's hard and you need wisdom and you need strength. Let somebody pray for you. Um, uh, and then someone else who's, who's you've been dealing with your elderly parents and it's really hard and it's, it's, it's depressing and it's difficult and you feel like a failure. We want to pray for you that God will give you the grace that you need. So let's all stand. And so, Lord, I pray that right now you would speak to us, God, about our excuses, about our blaming, about our reasons. And God, I pray that you would help us right now to lay down every excuse and to say, I'm going to take up my cross and I'm going to follow you, fixing my eyes on Jesus. No more excuses. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just do a work right now. May you speak to our hearts, reveal things, open our eyes, that we could hear from you that we will run and not be weary, walk and not faint, soar on wings like eagles for your glory. In 
Jesus' name. We're going to have some people from the prayer ministry team up here. If any of those words are relevant to you, we'd love to pray for you. If anything's going on in your life that you want prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. If you need physical healing, we'd love to pray for you. If you know that there's some ways that you feel stuck spiritually, we want to pray for you that you'll experience breakthrough. So come on up and let somebody pray for you. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.